Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Financial Wealth and Health Podcast. My name is Isabel Rothy, a financial advisor and a certified financial planning professional at Desert Wealth Management. And thank you so much for coming back to the show. I just love talking all about financial wealth and financial health. And you know, one of the reasons why I started this podcast is I think a really great way to explain different financial topics and concepts is by talking about the similarities between wealth and health because a lot of the same habits and mindsets and perspective shifts you need to make to have a healthy a physically healthy life are very similar to the different perspectives you need to have to have a financially healthy life and really in order to become financially wealthy and financially free I really believe you have to be financially healthy first. Now, a little bit of a background about me and Desert Wealth Management. Uh, Desert Wealth Management was started over 25 years ago. I work with my father, Rob Clausen. We're business partners together, and we provide financial planning and investment for clients. Um, we like to focus on helping retirees and young families manage their finances so that they could just really worry less about tomorrow and focus more on enjoying life and maximizing family time. Helping our clients maximize family time is so important to us, especially since we're a family-focused father-daughter firm. And that's what a lot of these topics truly line up with, is how to manage your financial life so you could focus more of your time doing what you love. Now, with that all being said, the topic for today's episode is part one of how to make 2024 your most financially healthy year yet. This first episode is more about running a diagnostic test on yourself to figure out where you're at today and where you're at, I guess, at the end of 2023. And then the next episode, we're going to be chatting about some action steps you can consider taking to make 2024 a very financially healthy year for you. So with that being said, let's dive into the diagnostic test that you could run on your financial life to figure out where you're at right now. All right, let's dive in. So one reason that I like to help people do a diagnostic financial health test on themselves is because before you start building wealth and working toward financial freedom, um, you have to have a strong foundation first. And one way I like to describe this to clients is the difference between being financially defense and financially offense. A lot of times when we think about personal wealth, personal finance, building your future, we think about the offense. We think about saving a lot of money in investment accounts and putting money towards rental properties or getting ready to buy a home or a second home or or getting ready to save for children's education. We focus on all these steps that are more like step three and four, but sometimes we forget about steps one and two, which I really think is more of the defense, building that strong foundation so that you have a platform to build your future wealth on. So when I think about the defensive part <laughs> of personal finance, so to speak, is having an adequate six-month emergency fund set aside. When I say emergency fund, it's looking at essentially your monthly expenses. How much do you need to pay your bills? You know, we're not talking about the random expenses of eating out or shopping. We're talking about the basic bills you need to pay to survive. And you figure out that monthly amount and you multiply it by six, and that's a six-month emergency fund. Now, some people like to have emergency fund that has more than six months in it. I don't know your personal life and I can't make any specific recommendations. So that's something that you need to look at with your expenses and other 
factors in your life, um, but usually six to 12 months is the most common type of emergency fund I see when I do work with clients. Um, also on this note, I want to give my classic disclaimer that nothing in this podcast is intended as advice and it's purely an educational resource. So if you do have questions or if you would like to book a call for me to look at your specific situation, we definitely can. You could book a call with me by clicking the link in the show notes below. Um, but yeah, this is not advice. It's a resource and I'm glad to answer any questions you may have. So an emergency fund is one example of building that that strong, stable foundation for a financially healthy life. Another example is looking at any high interest debt. So do you have high interest credit card debt or do you have a high interest um, loan on a appliance, for example? There's many examples of high interest debt, um, but what I tell people, and I've shared many times in the podcast, is uh, trying to pay off that debt as soon as possible is so important because carrying that debt, the interest rate is is holding you back from, from building other wealth. And when you think about it, if you have a credit card and the interest rate's 20-something percent and you have an investment account that you're making you know, an annualized long-term rate of return of seven percent i mean when you just look at the math that 20 something percent credit card is having a higher outflow interest wise than inflow coming in from an investment account so it's it's important to look at any high interest debt you have and work towards paying that off and this podcast episode is going to run through actually a lot of the questions i ask to my new clients when I send them a questionnaire. Um, Usually how our process works is we have an intro meeting to talk to the client, get to know them a little bit. And then if they decide to work with us, we send them essentially data gathering questions that looks at their own life to figure out where they're at. And what we've noticed with clients is that by going through this process of answering these questions usually with a significant other, they learn more about themselves, they become more aware of the great parts of their current financial situation and maybe some parts they need to work on. And a lot of times they're able to dream more with their spouse about their future. And it's actually a a pretty fun um, exercise and activity we walk them through when they do the data gathering. So that's the basis for our conversation today. And I will list all of the questions in the show notes below. So if you want to run this diagnostic test on yourself to figure out where you're at, um, I think it would be a great idea, especially as this year closes and stepping into a new year. And so you could either print out the questions in the show notes or just type them down on your phone. And then our next podcast episode, you can look at where you're at and then we'll chat about maybe some action steps you can consider taking to work toward those goals. All right, let's dive in to the questions in the financial health diagnostic test. All right, question one, I want you to get out a piece of paper and answer this question. What is your pre-tax salary? This is before taxes and retirement savings are taken out. Um, one reason we like to look at this number is if you're contributing money you know, into a 401k or a 403b or a simple IRA, some sort of employer retirement account, um, they base that percentage off of your salary. So in order to calculate the dollar amount of what you're currently saving into your employer-sponsored retirement plan, you need to look at your pre-tax salary and then multiply it by whatever your contribution 
execution rate is. And when we look at your pre-tax salary, it helps us calculate um, other factors in your financial plan, which we'll talk about here in a moment. So you're going to write down your pre-tax salary. And then I want you to answer the question of what is your combined current monthly take-home pay? So if you have a spouse, you're going to look at your your own pre-tax salary and your spouse's own pre-tax salary. And then you're going to look at your combined take-home pay after taxes and retirement contributions are taken out. So that's kind of the second area, looking at your income. Once we establish what that cash inflow is, we can now run a diagnostic test essentially of where you're at with your fixed bills. So I want you to look at all of the basic fixed bills you have to pay every month. So think about rent, think about your monthly mortgage payments, think about utilities, internet, phone, car insurance, car payment, all the fixed bills that don't really change every month, write that amount down. Okay, that's the next area you're going to be looking at. And then you'll also want to take a note of what are your variable bills. So groceries, those are not the same every single month. Uh, paying for gas in your car, that's not the same every month. Um, also to utilities, those can fluctuate every month depending on where you live. So if you live in an apartment or a house or um, if there's a fixed fee or if it's variable that could fall in either one of those expense categories. But looking at your fixed bills and your variable bills. That's so important because this is looking at the outflows you need to live. We're not looking at all the frills of shopping, eating out, all of that. We're looking at what you need. Um, basic groceries, basic gas in your car, all of that. Um, and the reason why this is so important, a lot of people think, why are you getting so granular with how much I spend on my credit card and <laughs> you know how much I uh, bring in or spend every month? And the reason why is because it's the small daily actions in your everyday life that really make a big impact down the road. And when you are looking at your income versus expenses, whatever's left over is what you choose to save or spend. So if you want to save more money, you either have to make more money or spend less money either way so you have more to save in different savings accounts and investment accounts. So once you take a look at the basic inflows and outflows, it's now time to look at how much you're currently spending on fun expenses. So the fun expenses of shopping, eating out, going to the movie, concert tickets, trips, dates, gifts, all that fun stuff. Um, take a look at the last 12 months of spending on your credit card statements, on your checking account statements, and just really see how much you're spending every month. Once again, this is a diagnostic test, and in this episode, we're not going to be talking about the action steps part. That's next episode. But when you're really seeing how much you're spending every month and you take the average of it, you could calculate your savings amount. Sometimes we think we're saving way more than we actually are. And then we look how much we're spending on fun stuff. We're thinking, wow, I'm spending a lot. And sometimes people think that they're spending too much and they're not saving enough. And we run the numbers and they're saving a lot of money. So in this diagnostic test, just to see where you're at, take a look at the last 12 months of your credit card statements. And I want you to first take the average of all of the spending that you've had over the last year and divide it by 12 to find that average monthly spending amount that you're spending on fun expenses only. So some people put 
all of their expenses, their bills, their fun expenses, everything on one credit card. So if that's you, first divide up what's a bill and what's a fun expense, and then take that fun expense number, that annual number, and divide it by 12 to find the average kind of fun money expenses you're spending. So that's the first area you want to look at when it comes to fun money. Um, also, too, when you get your year-end statement, you usually get a categorized uh, statement that shows the different annual amounts uh, in different areas of your spending. So how much should you spend on entertainment or eating out or trips? So it breaks that down, taking a look at the annual amount, and then it looks at the percentage and the dollar amount you spent in each individual category. So it would probably be wise for you to take a look at that too, just to see where your spending is. Um, that's because it can help guide you in where your values are when it comes to spending money on things that you love. Oftentimes, where we spend our money is where we are prioritizing things. Uh, but sometimes we're spending money on things that we don't want to spend money on, maybe out of obligation or out of necessity. Um, but what I see with a lot of people is when they go through their budget, when they look at how much money they're bringing in and sending out, sometimes they still feel unsatisfied with their spending. And I always say, okay, let's look at your, you know, your credit card statement or your uh, debit card statement to see where your extra money is going to. For example, some people may love to travel, but they find that they're eating out a lot and they're spending a lot of money on that so they travel less but their spending is not aligning with their values uh, some people love um, buying gifts and eating out and doing all those fun things and they're not super excited about traveling but maybe they're spending a lot on traveling and don't have that extra fun money to spend on what they actually want so sometimes people's fun money is aligned with their priorities and sometimes it's not and that's where you can make tweaks in your life to feel more satisfied with how you're spending your money. Of course, we have to spend money on bills. We really should pay off our debt and save money. But when it comes to that extra amount that we have to spend on what we want, whether it's a lot or a little, it should be satisfying because you work hard for your money. You are diligent to save your money. And so when you have that bit to spend on what you want, it should fulfill you. And so that's why I really hone in on looking at these expenses and how people spend because it makes a big difference in the grand scheme of things. All right, so after you look at the fun money um, numbers, let's look at the one-off annual expenses. Uh, those, those bills that you pay annually, it's not really a monthly expense, but you have to pay it. For some people, they pay their insurance policies annually, whether it's life insurance or car insurance or renter's insurance. Um, some people pay their property taxes annually instead of monthly. Uh, some people pay you know, mortgage insurance or homeowner's insurance annually, or maybe they pay different bills annually. There's so many different ways that people uh, pay their household expenses. And oftentimes the annual ones are the ones we forget about. And then we get this huge bill and think, oh my gosh, I didn't plan for this. So while you're getting prepped for 2024, go through your bills and try to figure out which ones are annual. And maybe if it makes more sense for them to be monthly at this stage in your life, maybe update it. Um, for some people, they need to have an annual uh, expense because having the monthly expense doesn't work for their budget. But if it works for you now and if it's easier to remember and have that system to do a monthly payment, perhaps consider that. So it's important to look at those one-off annual expenses because I know from experience as I was uh, growing up, up and taking care of my own finances when I first moved out that sometimes those annual expenses can get you. All right, now we're going to go to the healthcare expenses. 
So some of you may be listening to this and you're younger than 65 and you're on just traditional uh, employer health insurance or your parents insurance, depending on how old you are. And some of you may be 65 or older and you might be on Medicare. So when you're doing this diagnostic test, uh, look at your health insurance, whether you are 65 or not. Uh, look at your health insurance. Um, look at the premiums you're paying, whether it's a Medicare premium or just your health insurance premium. Um, if you're on Medicare and you're on a Medicare supplement, try to you know look at how much that costs. Just writing down all of the basic health insurance expenses and then look at you know this last year how much you spent on different health care expenses so looking at a co-pays a deductibles how much you had to pay for prescriptions all of that and try to estimate the annual amount and then the monthly amount so that when you're walking into 2024 you have an idea maybe of what to go off of of course every year is very different when it comes to health care and health insurance expenses especially for people who maybe are on traditional insurance this year and then next year they'll be on Medicare. That's a huge shift. And if you do have questions about that transition, let me know because we do help people with that transition. But it's important to really look at the health insurance and just basic medical expenses because sometimes we forget to include those within our you know monthly household expenses because oftentimes uh, our employer automatically takes out the insurance premiums when we have employer health insurance. Um, but when we look at the actual expenses, uh, as far as you know, co-pays, deductibles, all that, that could really add a lot of that variable type of household expense. It's different every time. It's not a fixed bill, but kind of estimating what you had this year. And if you're healthy and you think that things are going to go as planned, maybe it's close to your health expenses in 2024. But of course, we don't know what's going to happen in life. And that's one reason it's so important to have an emergency fund saved up, especially when it comes to health care, because you never know what can happen. But either way, it's still good to look at where you're currently at, at with health insurance and health care expenses. Now we're going to be talking about taxes. So have a copy of last year's tax return for 2022 and kind of run through if your income has stayed the same, if it's decreased, if it's increased. Um, some people, they go through the stage of life where they are married and so now they are in a whole different tax bracket. They used to be a single tax filer and now they're married filing jointly. Um, some people may have recently had a child and one parent has chosen to stay home with the child so the income will look different and also too the savings rates might look different if one spouse is no longer contributing to a 401k or another employer sponsored plan so it's important to look at last year's income uh, look at last year's deductions that you had for taxes um, and then think about how this year might be different so that you could kind of expect um, what your tax payment and your tax your potential tax refund could be. For people who are self-employed and maybe don't pay those uh, monthly or quarterly estimated taxes, um, making sure that you have enough money saved up to pay your taxes. A lot of times business owners can forget that they have to set aside their hard-earned money for taxes. But a lot of uh, business owners, depending on what they want to do, um, they have to remember that, oh, I have my tax bill coming up this year and I may have to pay a lot or I may get a refund. I don't know. But it's important right now to take a look at your tax return last year 
whether you're a business owner or not, um, and then kind of compare the numbers to this year so you could kind of get an idea of where you're at tax payment or tax refund wise. Um, and that could just kind of help you gauge ahead of time uh, before April comes around in 2024 for tax season. But now we're going to get off the topic of taxes because even though I think taxes and looking at all the different strategies is fascinating. A lot of people do not like to talk about taxes. So let's actually talk about your checking account balance, your savings account balance, and your investment account balances. Now, this could be a touchy subject for some. Um, some people have a lot of money saved and they've put in a lot of work and I like to congratulate them for the hard work that they've put in to save money because you know what? It is so hard to save money as costs are increasing and we always want to buy more things. Um, it's hard to save money. And so if you're out there looking at your balances and you're super proud of yourself, give yourself a pat on the back because that's hard to do. Um, but a lot of people feel like they haven't been able to save as much because costs are high. Um, the cash inflows and how much you make sometimes is lower than you want. And so some people want to save well. They are good stewards, but just given their situation, they can't save a lot. And so if you're listening to this thinking, you know, I would save if I could, but I, I can't save that much, know that it's more of the intention and the mindset and the perspective. If you already know you want to save money and given where you're at, you just can't save a lot, don't feel bad because you're trying to take care of what you can control and there's some things in life that we can't control. So the perspective and the habit in your head is actually what's going to get you really far in life so that down the road when you do make more money or maybe the expenses aren't as crazy high, you already have that mindset shift and that perspective. What's really hard is when people don't have that mindset and they don't have that perspective and it's really hard for them to save, um, that's when a lot of the coaching comes in. So if you're already there and you want to save money, just keep waiting and keep working hard. Um, but if you're looking at your numbers and you have a good income and your expenses aren't crazy, but you, you've been spending a lot of money and you have not been saving enough, that's where you need to make that perspective shift of knowing, yes, the present moment is so important and I, I want to live in the moment, but also you have to take care of your future and you have to really work on how much you're spending on the fun stuff because it's what you save now that will help your future self. So regardless of where you're at, what perspective and life situation you're in, I do like to look at this topic of your checking account, savings account, and investment account balances with optimism and with a positive outlook because I want to help um, all my clients feel really confident in, in many areas of their financial life, but especially in this one. So I want you to take a moment and look at how much you have in your checking account balances. Uh, if you have a couple different checking accounts or one, uh, take a look at what's in your emergency fund. Um, and if you do have that savings account emergency fund, is that in a traditional savings account? Is that in a high yield savings account? Um, do you have any money in CDs known as certificates of deposit at your bank or at um, your brokerage firm, um, looking at those types of numbers and then transitioning onto your investment account balances. So how much do you have in your employer-sponsored plan? If you have a 401k or a 403b or a simple IRA, um, look at how much you have in your own individual retirement accounts, your IRAs, whether that's a traditional IRA or a Roth IRA. Uh, take a look at how much you have in your health savings account if you have a health savings account. If you have a high deductible health care plan, you can qualify to have a health savings account and that health savings account can be invested. So looking at all of these 
essentially savings accounts, whether they're at your bank or they're invested, and keep track of those numbers uh, because it's these numbers that could help you grow your wealth down the road, and it's that emergency fund that could help you feel stable as you continue to grow. Um, And so looking at where you're at, in our next episode, this is where we will really focus on socking money away in these accounts because, uh, you know, many people look at wealth differently. Uh, Some look at it through only investment account balances. Some look at it only through real estate. Um, I take the comprehensive view. Uh, Here at Desert Wealth Management, we look at the comprehensive uh, financial wealth review. So, That's why it's also really important that we like to get really specific about these numbers and not look at these numbers emotionally, but looking at them in a very logical light to figure out this is where I'm at. And, you know, if I want to retire down the road, I'm either set up and I'll just keep saving what I'm doing or maybe I have to save more or there's there's many different options on on how we get there. But that's for the next episode. All right, so now that you've looked at those accounts, we're going to look at the other part of your net worth and look at the current value of your home, your car, and any other assets uh, because this does add into your net worth. If you want to find the current value of your home, you could just look it up online at either Zillow or a couple different um, websites that kind of share the current fair market value for your home. Um, you could go on different websites for your car. You could look at Carvana. You could look at Kelly Blue Book. There's a lot of different websites you could try to find, you know, the estimated value of your car and your home. And it won't be exact because there's a lot of components that go into this. But it's important to have an idea of the current value of your assets because, like I said, that's the other part of net worth. So now we're going to go on to the debt part of this conversation. If you have a mortgage, um, look at the original balance. Write that down. Write down the original purchase year. Write down your current balance on your mortgage. Write down your monthly payment the term of the loan. So is it a 30-year loan, a 20-year loan, a 40-year loan? Um, Write down the interest rate. Um, This could help just guide you if you do want to refinance down the road or if you're trying to figure out if you should put, you know, more money towards your mortgage depending on that interest rate. So having these numbers laid out in preparation for the next podcast episode next week is something that's that's good to write down for the mortgage. Um, Also, just write down too um, if your property tax or your homeowner's insurance or if you have primary mortgage insurance, also known as PMI, if all those extra expenses are included in your mortgage monthly payment every month or if they are all separate. So that's something you'll just want to take note of because sometimes we forget about those little details. But as we know, it's important to be detailed and granular when looking at your financial health. I also want you to write down if you have a car payment. So once again, write down the original balance, the purchase year, the current balance, your monthly payment, the term of the loan, the interest rate. It's important to know that so that you also know, especially in car loans too, perhaps when your loan is paid off and then you'll have that extra money that you would have been paying towards the loan, you could put that towards other goals. And then write down any other debts you have. Do you have credit card debt? Do you have student loans? Once again, write down the, uh, especially on student loans, the original balance, the original purchase year, the current balance, the monthly payment, the term, and the interest rate. If you have credit card debt, write down your balance and your interest rate as well as the minimum payment and have all of this information laid out so you can look at your debt clearly. And once again, when looking at debt, this could be a very emotional topic. But right now, I want you to look at it logically. Look at the numbers. 
Look at where you are and know that this is your current state and you're going to work from here. And that's how this diagnostic test should be run is not as much looking at it emotionally in these numbers. We will get more emotional in a few minutes when we talk about goals and that's okay. But when we look at these numbers, write them down and see them as numbers. That's why I talk to people and say get a piece of paper out and write this stuff down because when it's all in your head or in this pile of statements on your desk or in your computer, it's really easy to get overwhelmed and to not really know where you're at. But when you write it down and look at the numbers, something about it just helps take some of the emotion away. And that's also a reason why people come to me and like to do this diagnostic test with me as their advisor. Um, this is kind of the data gathering portion of our financial planning process. And one reason they like to talk with me and my dad and I about these topics is we are looking at their numbers with a non-emotional eye and perspective. When you look at your own money, it's going to feel emotional, and it should because money is what we need to use to have the things we want in life, and that's all emotional. So it's not bad that, that this is all emotional, but when we're looking at these numbers and to make very logical decisions, we have to take the approach of logic over emotion when looking at the diagnostic test. And that's why a lot of people like to sit down with us because we could help them with that. But if you're doing it on your own and you're not working with a financial professional, just keep remembering that there's no shame here. Um, you can't change the past. There's no regrets. It's just using all of this as motivation to keep moving forward toward a financially healthy lifestyle. Now we're going to have you take a look at your current amount you are saving every month. So first, take a look at what you're currently contributing into your employer sponsor plan. You know, what percentage of your salary are you contributing, whether it's a 401k, a 403b, a simple IRA, uh, depending on where you work. And if you're company provides an employer-sponsored plan, take a look at your portion of what you're contributing, whether it's 3%, 4%, 2%, 10%, just take a look at what that is. Um, if you're trying to remember, you can log on to your 401k portal or look at your pay stub to see how much you're putting in uh, every paycheck. And then also take a look at what your employer is matching. Do they do a full 100% match? Do they do a certain match up to a certain percentage? So take a look at what amount your employer is putting in. We'll be talking more about different action steps you can take on this specific topic in the next podcast episode. But also take a look at the current amount you're saving every month, perhaps into your emergency fund, or how much you're saving into your Roth IRA or traditional IRA if you have one, or how much you're saving into your health savings account. So looking at all of your accounts, bank accounts and investment accounts, and seeing what you're saving every month or every paycheck or once a year, every six months, whatever time period you're looking at, write down how much you are currently saving. And then we'll be talking, like I said, more about action steps on the savings amount in next week's podcast episode. So now we're going to be talking about two other components of this diagnostic test before we get more into the future planning. And that's looking at um, your Social Security statements. Now, Social Security does play a large role in your retirement income planning. And Social Security is based on your highest 35 years of earnings. So if you're in your 20s and 30s, you probably don't need to look at your Social Security statements yet because they're probably going to change quite a bit more um, throughout your career. But if you're 10 to 15 years from retirement, 
take a look at them, print them out, kind of see the estimated amount that you're projected to receive. And then every year, just look at it again, see if they're changing. That, of course, depends on where you're at in your earnings history at your career. But it's important to take a look at these numbers because this is the amount that the government is saying they will give you every single month in Social Security. And that could give you a basis to know, okay, you know, when I'm retired, how much do I want to spend every month? How much am I getting from Social Security based off this statement? And that can help you understand, you know, how much more you'll want to save in your investment accounts when you withdraw. If you have a pension through work, you could add that estimated monthly amount you would be receiving in retirement and add it to your Social Security estimate monthly benefit and then from there you could figure out how much more money you would need to draw from your investment accounts. So that social security piece is a big component to retirement income planning and I'll have many episodes in the future more about these topics. Our episode last week was all about social security benefits so if you want to just learn more um, go check that out uh, but print up that social security uh, statement uh, for yourself and your spouse if you're about 10 to 15 years from retirement and write down how much you would be receiving at your full retirement age when you're 70 years old when you're 62 years old and just have those numbers and then finally, take a look at your current life insurance information if you have it. Write down the death benefit amounts. If it's a term policy, write down the term. If it's a whole life policy or, or different types of policies, write down the death benefit amount, the cash value. Write down um, how much you're spending on your premiums, if they're monthly, if they're annually. And just take a really good look at where you're at life insurance-wise, specifically looking at that coverage, that death benefit amount. Because depending on the season of life that you're in, you may not need as much coverage or you may need more. And so this is definitely something we're going to be looking at in the next podcast episode um, on kind of different items to focus on in 2024. But just look at where you're at right now with life insurance. Perhaps you have your own policy on yourself. Perhaps your spouse has his or her own policy. Your employer as a employee benefit may have a life insurance policy that's on you. So just look at all of your policies, whether you're paying for it or you're paying for part of it or your employer is paying for all of it. And just take a look at where you're at and write that down. All right, so those are all of the aspects you want to write down as far as your diagnostic health test. And keep this sheet of paper available when we go over our episode next week because a lot of what you're writing down right now, um, you'll be analyzing it uh, as we, we talk about next week's episode and those topics. But before we close off for today, I want to end this podcast episode on the happy part of everything. And that is writing down your future goals. Because in the financial planning process, how my dad and I do it at Desert Wealth Management is we, of course, want to look at where you're at right now, but we really want to look at what your goals are and then work towards where you're at now towards those goals and helping you understand the simple action steps that you need to take to work toward those goals. So let's end this podcast episode on a happy note, and I want you to separate your lifetime goals into three different buckets. Your short-term goals, which is your one to three-year goals. Your mid-term goals, which is those four to ten-year goals. And then the long-term goals, so goals you want to achieve in 11-plus years. Organize them out. Write them down. And this is going to be the basis and the perspective and the lens that we look at the rest of your financial plan in. 
As we know, it's hard to save money, but when you have those goals top of mind, that gives you the higher why and the motivation and the discipline to do the hard work to work toward those goals. So let's say you are a couple who's 25. You and your spouse are both 25. Let's say in one to three years, you want to buy a house and you want to pay off your student loans. Let's say in four to 10 years, you want to have three kids. And let's say in 11 plus years, you want to work at your dream jobs and um, the salary is not as much of a big goal. It's more working at a place you love. Let's say those are your goals. And when you're writing down these goals, don't limit yourself. Write down what you truly want. If it's a huge goal, still write it down. If it's a goal that you're kind of doubting you'll ever achieve, please write it down. This is where you need to write down all of your goals. Do not limit yourself because if you write it down and commit to it, that helps you commit more of your resources to those goals. And if you don't even think you're going to achieve them, you probably won't. But if you write them down and commit to them, there's a higher likelihood that you'll reach those goals. Um, But on the other side, let's say you are age 55. You and your spouse are 55. And let's say in one to three years, you want to pay off your mortgage. Let's say in four to 10 years, you uh, want to be able to have a lot of savings ready to get ready for retirement. And let's say in 11 plus years, you want to be retired, you want to travel, you want to have a stable retirement income. Um, Still write down, you know, those big trips you want to go on, write down those big goals of if you want to help pay for your grandchildren's education or leave a legacy behind. You know, those are those other big goals that we sometimes think about when we're retired and it can feel really hard to get there. But if you're 55 and you have a long time to work toward it, still write down those goals. And that's where we're going to close off today's episode. On a happy note, on an optimistic note, um, ending with the goal is so important because when we do the financial plan, you're going to think about the goals throughout the whole plan. And then we're going to backtrack to figure out, okay, if you want to work towards these 10 goals, what do you have to do today to get there. And that makes it a lot easier to comprehend and to digest um, when looking at your whole financial life. So thank you so much for your time today. I hope that this podcast episode was interesting. I hope you learned some some new things. And I hope that you're inspired for next week's episode where we're going to be looking at part two of making 2024 your most financially healthy year yet. If you have any questions or if you would like to book a complimentary phone call with me, everything is listed down in the show notes below. I appreciate you so much. I hope you have a fantastic and safe holiday season with your friends and family. And let's continue to grow financially wealthy and healthy together. Now it's time for the disclosures section of this podcast. The opinions voiced in this show are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. This material was created to provide accurate and reliable information on the subjects covered, but should not be regarded as a complete analysis of these subjects. It is not intended to provide specific legal, tax, or other professional advice. The services of an appropriate professional should be sought regarding your individual situation. All investing involves risk, including loss of principal. No strategy assures success or protects against loss. LPL Financial and Desert Wealth Management do not provide tax or legal advice. Clients should consult with their personal tax and or legal advisors regarding their circumstances. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor, member FINRA and SIPC. 
Desert Wealth Management and LPL Financial are separate entities. 